Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Turn quickly with me if you can. And we're looking at the return of Jesus Christ. I've been taking a series in the evening and I'm coming near to the end uh, of that. Maybe just one or two more messages after this. But um, we've been looking together. It's entitled Future Shock. And it's looking at restoring a doctrine uh, to the church about the, re- the future events, what's happening in the, what happens in the future, and the, the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back a second time. He came into this earth once. Initially, we call it the first advent. He was born, and we celebrate at Christmas. We have the, the time of Christmas. We celebrate the, the first advent of Christ. But Jesus said, I shall return. I'm coming a second time. And when I come, I shall come back for you. I go to prepare a place for you, but I'm going to come back for you as well. And uh, we've, been, we've been speaking about that, looking at that together. It's an area that perhaps in the last in the modern era of the church, we've sort of forgotten about it a little. I say we've forgotten about it because we've sort of relaxed ourselves into the sort of leisure, pleasure society that which we live, living in the day and living for the moment. But it's not just going to, we've been looking and discovering that life isn't just going to trundle on like it is. That in actual fact, the world isn't just going nowhere, uh, to coin a phrase, we're on a road to nowhere. Was it the group Talking Heads some years ago uh, coined that song? It, we're not on a road to nowhere. In actual fact, the world and the universe is on a road somewhere, and it's a place that God has ordained for it, in actual fact. And so the history in the world is moving to a point. It's moving to a place. And that final place, there's a final place and a final conclusion. And it all hinges around the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for some Christians, that's a bit of a, a shock and a wake up. And for others of us, it's a reminder of something that we've, we've known. And maybe it's gone on the back burner a little. So what we've done is we're just bringing it to the foreground again. And so what I've unashamedly done is I haven't tried to go into all the wherefores, ins and outs, and predicting this and predicting that, and going into the millennium, and am I pre-tribulation or post-trip? You might think, what on earth are you on about? I mean, I've got a clue any of that. Well, what we've done is we've looked literally uh, as best we can at what the text says and mapped out this fact. And so far, we've looked at this. We've looked at the fear, the fear and the fascination of the future that people hold. That's why people go to astrologers and fortune tellers. And I spent a little bit of time looking at the fear and fascination, but how the world and the earth and the universe is looking forward to the hope of glory, looking forward to an expectation of the world being brought back into harmony with the heartbeat of God. So we looked at this, that the world is groaning, looking forward to the hope And that hope we began to look at was the hope of the return of Jesus, the hope of resurrection, the hope of a restoration of the whole universe back to its former glory in God. We spent a bit of time looking at that. Then I spent a couple of weeks looking at signs of the times, not trying to get um, pinned down to a certain order of events. Uh, We looked at rough signs of the times. Um, that point to like the, 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 the drawing back again of the state of Israel. The fact that it, 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 AD 70, the temple was destroyed and the Israelite nation was scattered. And in 1948, that came back into being again. And I began to talk about some of the key moments and some of the key moments that begin to point, and Jesus talked about pointing towards final days. Didn't actually say that he would then return at that very moment, but we began to look at that. So now, tonight... At this moment, what I want to look at just for a few moments is the return of Jesus, the second coming, what it could look like, what it entails. So you will need, if you do have a Bible, 
to hang on to it because it's a bit of a whistle-stop tour of some scriptures. It's not a proof text for every scripture, but what we're going to do is going to look at the New Testament generally, and we're going to find that Jesus talked a lot about coming back for you and I and coming back for the world. And what does that mean and what could it look like? And, uh, and what are the implications then for your life and my life? With that knowledge, then there's something that we can do with life, and it makes life different the way we live our lives in the knowledge that this is going somewhere and there is a conclusion to all of this and when that conclusion comes it will be then final okay and there's some things that we can then do and some things it has implications in the way we live our lives and the way in which we conduct ourselves and we tell the world around us I believe so that's where we are going to go so Matthew chapter 24 verse 30. Reads like this. And we've been spending a bit of time in Matthew 24. At that time, said Jesus, the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds and uh, from one end of the heavens to another. At that time, Jesus says, I, at the, when it comes to the final moment, the final point, I shall return and gather everyone to myself. Jesus speaks about the sudden, personal, visible, bodily return of Jesus Christ. This is what he's speaking about here. There is coming a sudden, it's visible, personal, bodily return. It's not going to appear as a phantom. It's not going to be somebody else. But Jesus Christ is coming a second time to the earth. He came a first time to bring and usher in God's redemptive plan of salvation. He was born, lived, died and was resurrected. And he said, I go to prepare a place for you. I shall come back for you. And so what we see here is Jesus sharing with his disciples that there will come a point. There comes a point in time. Hasn't happened yet. We're still living at the ready moment because you're still here and I'm here. and Life is going on the way it is. But when he returns, life will not go on the way it is. Everything will cease the way it is and a new order, as it were, will come into being. Now, so what we then believe in and what the Bible teaches is this, and we've been looking at, the world isn't not going just anywhere, it's heading to a point in time which will bring the return of Jesus Christ to bring a change, a complete and final change. That change has been ushered with his death and resurrection, but will be brought to completion, as it were, for the universe on his uh, his return. Now, there's lots of debate at what stage and what time, but it's geared around his return. So we want to look at that return. So this is where you need your Bible. So hang on to your Bible for a moment or two. It's, it's, we're going to look at a number of things. Um, Matthew uh, chapter 24, uh, verse 44. Have a look at it with me. It reads like this. And these are some scriptures that will point to the personal, visible, bodily return of Jesus. Look at this. If you want uh, me just to, if we want to prove it, look at this. Verse 44 reads like this. So you, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not 
Expect him. John chapter 14. Turn. You can have a lot of turning pages. Turn with me if you've got your Bible. It's good. I'll tell you what, this is good. It's good to get your Bible and turn and go backwards and forwards in it. I know it's a lot of messing around, as it were, you feel, but don't worry about that. Um, we're going to do a little bit of... Um, John chapter 14 reads like this. So Jesus, I'll come suddenly. Get ready. Okay? John chapter 14, verse 3. Look at this. Jesus says this. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to bring you to be with me. Jesus went to the cross, died and was resurrected. He's prepared a place for us in heaven. He then says the final plan of redemption, if we're still around when he comes back, will be to bring us to be with him in that place, that place, the new heaven and the new earth. So he's saying again, he's going to come back for us. Acts chapter 1, have a look at this. It's all throughout the New Testament. I'm not going to give you every scripture because we haven't got time. But as you look through, you might want to write these down. So Matthew 24, 44, John chapter 14, verse 3, Acts chapter 1, verse 11, if you can turn to it with me. Acts 1, verse 11 Uh, We've read it maybe a week or so ago. It reads like this. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So suddenly, the same personal, physical, bodily return of Jesus, the way he goes into heaven, he will appear Not the baby Jesus, oh, isn't he lovely? But the mighty risen Jesus will return. This is going to be different this time. I tell you what, you need to lay hold of this. It's going to be so different the second time round. The second time round, it's going to be so amazingly, incredibly different. So he said he's coming back again. 1 Thessalonians. Oh, I'm going to make you work now, am I not? If you can turn. So work your way back from Acts, Corinthians, Ephesians. Colossians, this way, Thessalonians. Don't worry, if you're, it's not unspiritual to have to turn to an index or whatever it is and find where the book is. It's not, not a problem. If you can't find it, it's not unspiritual to do that. Or just flick on your iPhone and you've got it straight away. There you go. It's even easier, isn't it? Yeah. So 1 Thessalonians 4. Chapter 4, brilliant book, Thessalonians, is an amazing book looking at the return. It's throughout the New Testament. In fact, Jesus speaks about it again and again and again. And so does the church. Over 300 different references to the return of Jesus. It's something that God really wants us to take hold of. It's something the modern church has forgotten. It's a forgotten doctrine, but this is something God really wants you to just to get hold of. Because there's a reason why. There's a real reason why he wants us to get hold of the fact that he's coming back for you and he's coming back for I. Um, 1 Thessalonians um, Chapter 4, verse 16, reads like this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. So the Lord Jesus himself will return and come down from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise first. Hebrews chapter 9. I want you to see it's not something we're just making up. I want you to see it's something that appears again and again. I want you to see that there's a reason for this. 
So stay with me for a moment or two. I know it's a little bit different. and We're chopping and changing, but just stay with us for a little while. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, reads like this. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So Jesus came the first time to deal with our sin, the second time to bring God's redemptive plan to final completion. It's a bit like D-Day and V-E-Day. D-Day was when the Allies landed in Europe, and most historians say that's when they probably defeated the German army. But victory in Europe Day came several years later. You know, with illustrations, you can't always do the best, but it's something like that. The first advent, D-Day, the second return of Jesus, V-E Day, victory in the universe day. It would be the victory for the whole of mankind, the world, the universe. Okay. Um, To Peter. So Hebrews, James, Peter. To Peter, chapter 3, verse 10, reads like this. This is all about the return of Jesus. If you look at 2 Peter chapter 3, it talks about the day of the Lord. Uh, and verse 10 reads, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed with fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. The day of the Lord, the return of the Lord Jesus, the physical return, it's sudden. It will be final. It's him turning up. It's him to bring the final completion. One John go a bit further towards the book of Revelation, going past Peter. 1 John, the first book of John, chapter 3, verse 2, reads, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When Jesus appears, we shall see him as he really is. And he will see us as we really are. And we shall be like him. There is he's returning, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, enough there. Not anymore for the moment. But we'll just say, and there's loads more. There's over 300 different references that speak about the day of the Lord, the return of Jesus. But what we see here is that Jesus Christ, there will be a sudden, personal, visible, bodily Return of the Lord Jesus Christ. The nature of that return, there are three things. When we look at the nature of that return, there are three things that we see about it. Is that it will be decisive. It will end all things. It will be sudden. And it will be glorious. Three amazing things that I just want to just touch upon just for a moment or two. It will be decisive. When Jesus comes back a second time, it will be the completion of everything. You know when you watch the film and you watch your favorite movie on telly and you're sitting there and you think, oh, this could go on. I love this. I love this. And it comes up the credits, the end. The music and everything else. And you think, oh, I could watch this. It's the end. Why are you laughing, Lee? Because my, my daughter's laughing at me. I don't know why. Probably because I don't sit still very long enough to watch films with them sometimes. When Jesus comes back, it will be decisive. It's the end. Not the end of the world as we see it, but there will be a new. It will be a new world. It will be a new order. It will be, all things will be perfect and new. Just as they were first created, God will restore everything to being perfect. The heavens and the earth, the universe will be restored to perfection. 
as it were. And uh, there'd be no like, oh, I, I forgot. Give me a second chance, God. That's it. At the moment, there's a chance. This is amazing. At the moment, there's a chance for the earth. And we've got an amazing message to tell the world that there's still opportunity. We don't have to frighten people. Doomed. We're doomed. We don't have to. But there's an amazing opportunity to tell the world. Is that off uh, Dad's army, wasn't it? Was it? Is it? Yeah, the, 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 the guy in Dad's army. But um, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> yeah, don't panic. <laughs> don't panic. It will be decisive. Now, look at this. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. Look at this. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Full stop, end. You put a full stop, end of the chapter, end of the book, end of the story. But it will be the beginning of all things new. That's the good news. The problem is there'll be no second chance for anybody to say, oh, I only wish I knew. I I, I only wish, like we'll say, I only wish I saw that film. I'll go and get it on DVD. Can't do that. When he comes second time, that's it. The Bible talks about this a lot. This is why now we've got an opportunity to tell the world. And you know where I'm going with this, because the opportunity we have is to let the world know that God is amazing. Let's tell him now they've got a chance. We've got a chance. And what God is doing is holding back to the full time. He knows the time. Um, Okay, so uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Look at this quickly, and then we'll move on. And uh, verse 24 reads like this. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of uh, the kingdom to god uh, when he hands over the kingdom to god the father after he has destroyed all dominion authority and power there's a final point and what god says the end will come there's an ending to all of this the world the broken world that it is and uh, there'll be no second chance and the Bible talks about, so right now, so we're decisive. So when Jesus comes back, literally, physically, visibly, suddenly, that's it. No second chances. So we've got to be right with him. You need to be right, right now. Because he could, he could come back. He could come back at any time. Second thing, so decisive. Second thing, it will be sudden. It will be sudden. The sign, it, there are signs. I think there are signs, and yet it will be unexpected. There are signs to say we're heading somewhere. We are heading towards the return, but then he returns. And you think, I didn't see that one coming. And yet the signs are we're heading towards something. The way the world is going, the signs of the times, we've been looking at those, but it doesn't predict he'll actually turn up at that time there, and then so I can just get ready and get my best dress or shirt on and, and, and get my house sorted out so I can just get prepared. He'll just arrive. He'll turn up. It's sudden. And the Bible speaks about this suddenly. And that's why we need to be ready. There's implications for each one of these amazing things. So it's unexpected. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 6, it says he will come like a thief in the night. When we least expect it, we're always being told, watch your house, watch your house, keep it guarded, make sure you put your locks on. And we all know that. And you can see the signs, as it were. And then someone comes and burgles your place. And it's It's sudden. And Jesus is saying that when I do come, it will be sudden. So don't just think to yourself, I've got plenty of time. I'll do this. I'll study that. I'll go here. I'll go there. I'll take as much time as I like. I'm not, don't be worried and panic. We're not saying, don't panic. Don't, none of that stuff. We're not saying panic. Not at all. 
But what we're saying is, be prepared. Because it could be at any time. And this is what Jesus said, it'd be sudden. Hey, don't go away all frightened and panicky after this because we've got something to be secure in, that God is a good God. He's a loving God. He's great. He's holding back because he wants many people to know him. So only God knows the hour. Jesus said this. In Matthew 24, verse 44, it says, The Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Matthew 24, 44. So there appear to be signs that point to a, an, an era, an age when he could return, and yet he will come at an hour when we least expect. When you've just ordered your iPhone 5. <laughs> you can tell what I'm looking for, aren't you? you think, oh, couldn't you just waited a bit longer? I really wanted that. <laughs> no, I don't know anything. I'm not predicting. I'm not predicting that, by the way, either. Mark chapter 13, verse 32. Listen to this. Sudden, but when, you might be saying. Sudden, but when. Listen to this. Don't listen to anyone who says 2012, the Mayan prophecy, is a countdown, the end of the world on the 21st of December. That's what some people believe. Mayan prophecy, 21st of December. That's a bit of a bad one, isn't it? If your birthday's on the 25th, isn't it, Julia? It's terrible. (laughs) rubbish. I would say that's not true, right? And this is what I'm going to say to you. Look at this. Mark chapter 13, verse 32. Jesus said, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father. God the Father knows the time. He has the time. He is holding a time. He's giving an opportunity. Because it will be the end, it will be decisive, it will be sudden, and that will be it. He's giving opportunity. I think this is where the heart of God is so great love. There is opportunity on the earth for people to come to know him. But when he returns, there'll be no more opportunity. So the Father knows that time, and he is holding that in that place. So it'll be sudden. So it'll be decisive. It will be um, sudden. It will be glorious. The third thing we see is this in his return. It will be glorious. The first advent of Jesus when he came as a babe, it was born, it was amazing, it was lovely, it was wonderful, grew up as a man, uh, bled and died on the cross, was raised from the dead. The, when, but when he, the Son of Man comes the second time, when Jesus comes the second time, whereas he came to Bethlehem and only a few people turned up, the whole world and the universe will be spectators. Every eye shall see him and he shall come and everyone will bow Where he came first time, only a few people turned up and not everyone understood. And gradually the world has come to understand. The second time he comes, it will be so different. It will be amazing. It will be glorious. Look at this. Matthew chapter 24 again, our chapter that we're looking at. We go back. What does it say? In Matthew 24, we read this. Verse 30. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see, all the nations, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. The idea of the clouds is is creation, it's their heavens. And uh, there is this understanding of power and glory and the whole world, the universe will see. Whether it's put up on Twitter at the same time, or whether it's, it's, it's live streaming or whatever it is, but, or it will just be such a sight in the heavens that everyone will see. I don't know. But everyone will see, and everyone will see the physical, literal 
a man, Jesus, return. And, everyone, and it will be amazing. It will be awesome. In fact, it will be awe-inspiring. It will make people quake in their boots. It says that they will mourn. It will be incredible. It will be amazing. It will be like a wonder. It will be an amazing sign that we've never known before and never known since when he returns the second time. It will be absolutely glorious. It's the final unfolding of God's presence to man. This is in contrast to the first advent. This will be the final unfolding of his presence. That's why it's going to be so amazing. We say, oh, the presence of God is lovely here tonight. And it is. But this will be awesome. Because God will be finally unfolding his full glory. Because this is the end. It will be awesome. For those, if your name is in the book of life, it's awesome. But if it's not, it's horrifying. So, those three things then. So, what we see is this, that Jesus is returning personal, physical, visible return of Jesus Christ, and it will be decisive, it will be sudden, and it will be glorious. And it will do a number of things. When he returns, a number of things will happen. When Jesus returns, and this is why he's returning, when he returns, it's not just for the fun of it, because God wants to look good, and he wants everyone to be frightened, and he wants to then whip us all into shape. There's a number of things that will happen. It's the final um, bringing together of all things and with this, we'll be concluding in a moment. Okay, looking to finish for about half past. There's a number of things that will happen uh, at the second coming. The first coming was like D-Day. Uh, the victory was won. Most historians say that that victory in Europe, it was, it was won. But it was finally won uh, when um, the Allies invaded Germany, at what we call uh, Victory in Europe Day. And so the second coming, when he comes, Jesus comes, it will be the final completion of all things. And there's a number of things that will happen. There's three things. If there were three signs, then there are now three um, outcomes of his coming. And this, number one is this. We'll complete what we call the work of redemption. All of God's enemies, that is sin, death, and the devil, will be consumed and dealt with in finality. You know, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. My name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. But there's something sure. I don't want to be depressing about it. I will die. We will all die at some stage. But the, uh, the Bible says that when Jesus comes, he will deal with death. There will be no more death. Death will be put to death. If you can put death to death. That's what, the, that's what it says. That's the, the final completion of all things. At the moment, death still has a power. Although I have, I've, we have beaten that power by being resurrected, there's a moment where we, we look forward to the hope of being resurrected from the dead. But when Jesus comes, that will be brought into final being. It will be the culmination of all things, the power of redemption. In one, we're not going to have to go through them, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read a classic scripture. In chapter 15 is about the resurrection. And in it, it says, Where, O death, is your sting? And it talks about in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians 15 that death has been defeated. And so when Jesus comes, it will be the final completion of that. And death, the devil, and sin will be no more. Those enemies of you and me and our lives and the planet that we live on will be dealt with in one go. Um, the second thing will be the to resurrect the dead. The second thing will be this, that Jesus will resurrect the dead. Everybody will be raised, Christians and non-Christians. 
Everybody will be raised and will appear before God. That's what it says. If we look at um, John chapter 5. And I'll explain what I mean by everybody in a moment. John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse 28 reads like this. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. There'll come a time when all in their graves will be raised. Raised, raised, rather. Those whose names are in the book of life, faith in Jesus Christ, put their lives right with God, we raised to be with him. Those that have not will be confined to a place of torment. That's why we need to tell the world. People say, when I'm dead and buried, that's it. No, it's not. It sounds awful, doesn't it? But no, we're not. Everyone will be raised. Everyone will be raised. And judged before the presence of God. And so when Jesus comes, he will bring resurrection of the dead. The third, final thing is judgment. Judgment of the living and the dead. Remember, God is a good judge. He's perfect. He's right. He doesn't think, oh, I got that one wrong. When he judges, it's absolutely perfection, okay? So we can trust in the judgment of God. God being God is perfect and right. And so the th- first thing is, re- is the work of redemption. Second thing is raise, resurrect the dead. And the, th- the, th- the third and final thing is to judge the living and the dead. Um, one or two scriptures, just to, uh, 2 Timothy. Can we turn to 2 Timothy? Just for a moment. So in the John scripture, you... you, you Read, it says there that all will be raised. Those that were found right will be with God. Those that were found not righteous will be confined to a place that's where God isn't. Okay, So there's a sense of judgment there. So if you come to 2 Timothy, I will talk about this in more detail in another time. Judgment. Time permits only a little tonight. So chapter 4, verse 1 of 2 Timothy the Spirit clearly says in latter times, some will abandon the faith. Oh, sorry, that's 1 Timothy. <laughs> in the presence of God and of Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Jesus Christ will judge the living and the dead. And so upon his final return, there's a resurrection of the living and the dead. All will appear before him, whether we're alive when he returns, or we've gone to the grave when he returns, whenever that is. All will be raised before God, and then all will be judged. Christians should be judged. We'll be judged before God. He will look upon us and find that because of Jesus Christ, we are righteous. Thank God for that, I say. Thank God for that. That's the great goodness of God. But he will look upon my life. And for those that have rejected and lived a life without God, we judged accordingly. And so it's to bring judgment upon this earth. Haven't got time to look at them, but Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Acts chapter 10, verse 42. In case somebody's listened to this uh, on a a download um, sometime. Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. 
Romans chapter 2, verses 3 to 16. Speak of judgment. Speak of judgment. Speak of judgment. Speak of judgment. 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 4, verse 5. Speak of this judgment of the living and the dead being raised before God. So it's final. So you can't then say, oh, hang on a minute, I forgot. I'd like to change my mind now. And this is why it's so important now that we use the time wisely and we we are right with God. So what are the implications of these three things then? And with this we finish. Two things, live ready, live reaching. Live ready. As a Christian, the sudden, visible, physical return of Jesus Christ that is final, decisive, glorious, amazing, that brings about judgment, which brings about the final completion of all things upon this earth. It encourages me to do something, not to panic, not to go all worried, but to live ready. So Jesus says in Matthew 25, be ready. There's a story of 10 young maidens. Five let the lights go out, five keep their lights burning. And it's the picture of the bridegroom coming, and he catches the maidens who've got the lamps burning. It's okay. Those that lamps don't burn, He says, you've got to be prepared. It's a story of being prepared for Jesus' return. And what God wants to say to us today is, be ready. Live a life as a Christian that's ready. In other words, live for God. Don't just get stuck in the mud. Don't just get stuck on the merry-go-round of life, thinking it's going to be like this forever, because it's not. It's going to get better, but it's not. So be ready. Be prepared. Like a good boy scout or girl scout, whatever it is that they say. And so in in that way, um, get your life. So number one, get your life right with God. Are you living a life for God? I want to ask you. You don't have to tell me. It's before you and God. I want to ask you. Christian, you might say I'm a Christian, but are you really living for God? Are you really? I ask myself that question. Am I really living for God? You're someone and you're a Christian. You've given your heart to God. Are you living for God? Get ready. Be Live a life living for God, whatever that means for you, but live a life living for God. Are you a person that's not a Christian tonight? In other words, you've not given your heart and life to God and said, I need, I, I need to live for you. And tonight, you, that's something you must consider. I would encourage you to consider allowing God to lead your life. Say, I want to live for you, God. If we're a Christian, not only get ready, but walk and watch. In other words, walk with God. Live a life that goes on and walks with God, follows God. So many of us follow our own ideas. Follow God. Walk with God. Be prepared. Don't just get caught on the merry-go-round of buying lots of things and planning this and doing that. Buy things by all means. Plan this and that by all means. They're all good things. But that isn't just life anymore. There's more to life than just that, as we're finding in the credit crunch. So walk with God and watch. So live ready. In other words, this is what Jesus said all the time. Live a life that's ready. But the second thing and final thing, live a life that's reaching. In other words, tell people. Don't say to them, you're doomed. You're going to burn if he comes back. We're not talking like that. But isn't it amazing that God wants to have a relationship with you? We can tell them now because they've got a chance now to make their mind up. But then they won't. This doctrine has always led the church into mission to spread the news around the world. Why? Because it's very final. When he comes, there's no other chance. We don't just keep this good news to ourselves, but we tell the world. Go into all the world, said Jesus, making disciples, telling them of the good news that God wants to bring you back to himself. He wants a relationship with you. Let's let people know that. Live ready, live reaching. Let's pray.
God bless you, folks. Live ready and reach out. I want to ask you tonight, are you ready? Are you ready for God? Honestly, how do you live your life as a Christian? Are you living for God? Hey, you're not, I'm not asking you to go on a guilt trip. That's between you and God. I know that. Father God, see our hearts tonight. We want to live for you. We really do. We're not being worried. We're not being made to feel guilty. We're just thinking, wow, what an amazing God that you've held back because you want so many people to come to know you. That God holds the universe in his hand and he wants more and more people. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That amazes us, Lord. That you have the time in your hand. You're sending back your son to bring a final completion to all things. And yet you want more and more people to come to know you. You're giving the world a chance. That's great love. So, Lord, we respond to that tonight. We just say we want to be ready. See our hearts, Lord. We want to live for you. We want to live for you. Not only do we want to live for you, Lord, but we want to let others know. So we pray that you'll help us just naturally share the good news of how you love them and you love us. How you care so much that you want to have a relationship with every single person on this planet. Would you help us, Lord God, share that naturally when we bump into people at work, uh, when we have a relationship with our friends who don't know you? It'd be something that's natural. Give us opportunity. Now, because we know that when you return, there'll be no more opportunity. And that could happen at any moment, suddenly. So we just say, we're not going to worry about it, but we're just going to make the most of any opportunity that comes our way. Oh, Holy Spirit, We love you. We give our lives to you afresh. We pray as a church that you would encourage us to live afresh for you and reach those around us in new ways, with new opportunities, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.